Blog Talk Radio. What's up, guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio, the nation's number one motorcycle talk radio show, with your hosts, Courtney Lambert and Dave Withrow. Hear real talk discussions about the latest custom motorcycle news and events. Now grab a drink and have a seat, because we're about to get started. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Wide Open Radio. Uh, We've got a lot going on, guys, and I'm excited to talk just a little bit about everything that went on out at Arizona Bike Week. Um, We're going to have another episode coming up next week that's going to talk a lot more about that because that is such a big event. So many people go there. Um, But we do have somebody coming on tonight that we're going to talk just a little bit about and see if he has any input on that since he is in the area. Uh, You guys know that we have Jim Nazzy coming on tonight shortly. So if you guys will just stick around, we'll get started with him in just a few minutes. But I want to just kind of touch base. Uh, Like I said, so many things going on right now with the motorcycle season really kicking off. We had Daytona in March, uh, followed that right up with Arizona Bike Week. And now we're going into Leesburg here in Florida. And a lot of our listeners are right here in Florida, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee area in the southeast. And um, it's funny because this is – I think 20, 20 to 25 years for Leesburg. Um, I hope one of you guys are listening. Maybe you can just text me real quick and tell me. Uh, but it's over 20 years that this event's been going on. And I really didn't know that much about it until I moved to Florida, which is crazy. And everybody kept saying, oh, you guys need to go with Allstate and you need to set up for the shop because it's such a big event. It draws so many people And I didn't realize until the first time that I went just how many people actually attend that event. Uh, It's huge. They have a huge party that goes on while you're there. Um, It's all blocked off. It's all downtown. So it's actually pretty cool because it's it's really contained. There's a lot of um, food vendors, uh, of course, bike shows, car shows, and they have a lot of live entertainment there as well. Um, Rats Hole sets up there and they do a show uh, last year we talked about this on an episode before last year they tried to do a bagger show and didn't really turn out that well um, so we'll see if they try to do anything like that again this year um, I really haven't heard anything about it so I don't know um, but we will be there and we'll be covering the event live so you guys will be able to get first-hand information of what's going on we'll be posting pictures and videos and um We'll probably do some live video, too. I, you guys have really, really been paying a lot of attention to the live videos, um, and that's something that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the show yet either. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I visited three different shops out in Texas. Uh, I went to Stroker's, Rick Fairless's place. That was a ton of fun. I've known Rick for quite a few years now, and I definitely consider him a great friend. But I felt bad because I'd never been to his place. So I kept telling him, oh, Rick, I'm going to come out, I'm going to come out. And every time I would have a trip planned, it wouldn't quite work out. So um, I finally made it out there. I got to visit his shop, and he wasn't there. He had this charity golf event uh, tournament going on that he had to attend, which was totally excusable, you know, and they raised a ton of money, I think, for Scottish Rite of Texas. So um, I was – able to go around with Susan, his wife, and we kind of toured the whole facility, and um, I I videoed the entire thing. I think the video ended up being over an hour long. So uh, I did that, and then I went out to see the guys at All-Star Baggers. Um, That was a lot of fun. I got to see everything they have going on there, and they took me around the shop and showed me around. 
the area that their shop is in is really cool. It's a really cool part of Dallas. So that was neat to see. And then I went from there to the north side of Dallas to visit uh, Chris Moose at Misfit. So that was a lot of fun, too, because they definitely have an over-the-top place. And it was nice to be able to see their whole operation and see what they have going on. Um, I got to see a little more than what I can tell you guys. Not a whole lot, though. It was really secretive. But I did get to see those two new Geico bikes. And uh, I showed those on the video, of course, and we talked about those. So if you guys haven't had a chance to check those out yet, all of those videos, have been reposted in the group page and on the Wide Open Radio Facebook page. And I'll post those again at some point this week just so we can make sure that you guys are able to see them because I know they have several thousand views at this point, which is pretty cool. So um, that is what I did whenever I was out in Texas. And then, of course, I, I had to go to the Final Four for something else. Um, and now, like I said, we're going right into Leesburg, and we have a huge event this weekend, lots of different things to do, um, and I'll do live video from there as well. Now, like I said, we will do a follow-up episode to really cover Arizona Bike Week, so don't worry about that because we have a lot coming for that as well. Now, I know you guys who are listening, um, most people don't listen to the live version, which is fine. Um, most of you guys listen to the podcast a few days later. In fact, if we have, I don't know, Two, three, four thousand live listeners. Over the next thirty days, we usually have twenty to twenty-two thousand listeners of the podcast. So I know you guys are listening while you're in the shop working, or while you're driving to and from work, or whatever, which is really cool, and I really appreciate it. Um, if you guys have not gotten completely caught up on all the episodes, you know you can always go to WideOpenRadioShow.com. There's a tab at the top for podcasts. Just click on that. You can listen to any of the podcasts that we have archived. I think it goes back probably, I don't know, close to 30 different, 30, 35 different episodes. I think you can go all the way back to, you guys remember whenever we had Curtis Hoffman and Corey and way back, um, probably about a year ago, I think it goes back about that far. So again, you can go to wideopenradioshow.com, check that out, and you know you can always find uh, archived episodes listed on our Facebook page as well. So for those of you listening now or later, you guys are listening tonight because you want to hear from Jim Nappy, and I'm super excited to have him on uh, because he's not somebody that we've had a chance to really talk about a whole lot on the show. I know he's been brought up a few times, and um, I really want to give him a chance to kind of tell you guys who he is. That's the whole point of the show is for you guys to get to know more kind of behind-the-scenes information and personal information about these people. Um, so I'm excited about that. So we're going to go ahead and get started. I believe I have Jim with me now. Are you there? I am. Hey, how are Hello. you? Good. I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So I was just telling everybody that I'm excited to have you on because um, we've not had a chance to do that in the past, and mostly because I don't think that you and I have ever met. So not only are the listeners going to get to know you a little better during our talk, to know you a little better, too, so I'm excited about that. Um, Sounds great. I'm usually, yeah, I usually like to start out, Jim, and just let you kind of tell us how you got into the motorcycle industry, period. Like, what's your background? Well, I'm originally from Detroit, and I uh, grew mm -hmm. up around cars, hot rods. My dad worked for General Motors, an engineer, and uh, I was surrounded by cars and older brothers and tools and all that when I was young age. And... Uh, then relocated to New Mexico 
when my dad had a bus plant there, we manufactured Greyhound RTS buses, and I got to work in the R&D facility there. Lots of sheet metal okay. uh, machinery tools. That's how I learned how to do a lot of the work I did on the bikes in the earlier years. And then uh, relocated to Phoenix. I went to MMI after college. Okay. Went to college to be an engineer. Started not liking it. I went to Phoenix. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it here. There was a ton of motorcycles. The weather's beautiful all year round. Yeah. Except for the except for the dead of the summer. <laughs> and uh, I it don't is. know. I just kind of fell into it. So. It's like a mecca for motorcyclists and motorcycle builders, and we talk about that a lot on the show, um, which kind of blows my mind because I'm a Florida girl now, and whenever I come to Phoenix, I feel like it is the hottest place in the world. <laughs> so it what has, is it, it exactly has, uh, that draws all of you guys to Phoenix? I don't know. Maybe it was the weather, and and <laughs> stuff doesn't rust. Things don't rust here. Maybe that's another bonus. Yeah. But uh, you know, in the earlier true. years, there there wasn't too many of us. But uh, recently, now with the bagger stuff, there's there's a ton of bagger builders here. Cheers. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, they're all around my shop. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long has your shop been there? Well, I was in Scottsdale, and then I moved over here. I've been here about twelve years. I was in Scottsdale about seven, eight years. Okay. So see, that when I initially is, opened, that, oh, go ahead. When I initially opened my shop in Scottsdale, I was right next to Scottsdale Lotus, Ferrari, Lamborghini. Uh, nice. Obviously, you know the the plan there was to get the uh, guys changing their oil in their Lambo, do a little window shopping, mm-hmm. and that's where the richest people in Arizona lives in Scottsdale, and uh, it worked out great. I got a lot of connections there, new customers, and it just kind of spread from there. Well, good. That's that's a smart idea, and um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because I love the fact that you were there before most of these guys, you know? So that says a lot about you and your company, and uh, we talk a lot on the show with other people about their plan to stick around and their plan to be long-lived, but I like hearing from the guys who've been in this for a long time, and I like to hear what you're doing and how you do it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you actually got started with your own shop? Well, I mean, uh, a lot of it in the beginning, it's what I tell. I have a MMI, the motorcycle school, right next to me here, so I get a lot of young kids coming in here looking for work Mm -hmm. or just asking for advice. And I always tell them, you know, three things is number one is you got to show people respect. That takes you a lot further than most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, you got to build something that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So your style is definitely, uh, to me, your style sticks out a lot. And I feel like you still carry a lot of your original style in, even with your baggers that you do now. So um, do you agree with that? Do you feel like you still try to pull in part of the style? Yeah, I try to keep everything really clean and simple. Um, Yeah. Basic. I mean, 
sometimes when you walk up on something, you got to look at the finer details of it to really appreciate the craftsmanship that went into it versus something mm-hmm. that just has loud, loud colors on it, shiny wheels, and it's really bright. And it'll get your attention from far away, but when you come walking up on it, it's a different story. Uh, I love that you just said that because I've spoken to other builders who are very well known in the industry who have said the exact opposite, and I don't particularly agree with them. I agree more with you. I've heard them say that nobody will walk across the street to see a plane bike, but they're going to walk across to see a loud paint job. Um, but to me, the paint job is just the paint job. It's not the quality of the build and the attention to detail and all that. So I'm glad that you just said that because it's a great point. You know, there's a lot Simplicity more that goes into a bike than just the paint job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of the hardest bikes we've done here have just been very simple, but we've gone to a lot of work to have that certain finish or that certain look. Mm-hmm. It's like if, if you have an exotic car, say a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, and how many of those cars do you see covered in flame jobs? Yeah. Nine. That's a good point. <laughs> so if you walk into a bike show or, or an event and you see like a bike that's just this really stands out of the crowd because all the other ones have flame jobs and bright colors, and you're like, whoa, what's this thing over here? This thing's clean. It's nice, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, those are the bikes, too, that really grab the attention of other people in the business, the people who really know what they're looking at, you know? Right. So um, we have a question really quick from someone listening. Um, His name is also Jim. And he sent a, a question in on Facebook. He wants to know um, about your operation. He's wanting to know if you can tell us how many employees you have and, you know, what goes on on a day-to-day basis there. Well, I had a, a bigger crew before. I've since then simplified it. Uh, when we had the big bike boom, you know, in the like uh, a build-off days, Mm-hmm. I was building a, a signature series like called an Afterlife, you know, a stretched out chopper. Um, I had 15 guys at the time, and then the economy hit us all, and I survived yeah. that by just kind of slowing down and making the area smaller, everything. And I, I survived through it because mainly I deal with extremely wealthy people. And when the economy mm-hmm. hit, you know, they they were still wealthy. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what kept me going. So now I have five guys that have been with me a long time. And um, instead of trying to bang stuff out the door and make a lot of money, uh, we're just trying to keep it steady. And we have a long list of builds. And we can take our time on them and make sure they're right. Well, that's good. That's good. Now, do you um, – do, have you always been in the part? side of the industry or is that something that came along after you started building no I've done parts for a long time I distributed with drag for a while when it was uh, baggers weren't around it was more like mm-hmm. custom stuff for the guys doing the the titans or the big dogs we made different parts for them and then fat boys I had a series of soft tail fat boy parts for a while distributed all those with drag and then obviously when the bagger thing came I had to retool everything and start with the baggers, so Yeah. And do you think that do you think that having your own line of parts is necessary nowadays? 
if you have a crew that you need to support and they have families, yes. If you're in your garage by yourself and you're just making bikes for certain customers, no. But the trouble with the industry now is with the bagger market is I've been around before the baggers when, you know, most of our work here is sheet metal. That's what we're known for is metal work, craftsmanship. And these Mm -hmm. baggers are less, less of that, more plastic, more fiberglass. That stuff's easier to manufacture. It's also easier mm-hmm. to clone, copy. That's a really bad problem in this industry today. Everybody knows it. Um, yeah. You put you put your ideas, your innovation into something, and then someone buys it, goes to the fiberglass guy, makes a mold of it. He's done with a couple hundred bucks, you know, and he starts selling it yeah. too. So that gets frustrating. So. Yeah, and it happens. Every day, it seems. So it's just a very common problem. We've talked about it a lot on the show. Um, I, that's why I a lot of my parts I've been I, making out of steel because yeah, that's hard to Tell us about that because you have a lot of, yeah, you have some new stuff, new metal parts that you've just released recently, right? Yeah, and I'm working with a major distributor right now in the MAG group, and uh, very soon you'll see we're going to come out with some steel parts and some other components that'll be more readily available for the public, like more affordable. I mean, obviously, if we make a a fender here from scratch by hand, that's not very economical, but now there's methods where you can stamp the steel and have patterns Mm -hmm. cut and still stay um, in the same price range as the plastic and glass. Okay. Now, what would you say are your top-selling parts that you have right now in production? Um, probably my steel rear fenders, and uh, I also have okay. an inner fairing for the road glide that hosts uh, 7.7 JL speakers and a double din radio. That's probably been my biggest seller. And now that they changed the road glide in 15, we're working on a new fairing for that as well. Nice. We uh, we actually just ordered one of your inners recently, and it's very nice. And it blows my mind that I don't hear more people talk about them. I know that they're out there. Um, I did see some people talking about them on the forum the other day, and it it made me happy because I know that your stuff is really good quality. So um, I I like seeing the people who are making quality stuff get their stuff out there, you know, because there's some people, like you said, who just – throw stuff together and uh, well, a lot bad. of people get that's a bad, bad taste for all of us. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad yeah, for all definitely. of us. People do that because then they get a bad taste in their mouth about aftermarket parts. And that's why all these guys yeah. just go and they buy that Screaming Eagle brand because it's something they can <laughs> trust. Yeah. But if they're buying this crap and they're putting it on and it doesn't fit and then you just throw it away and they don't want to touch anything aftermarket after that. So the crap's yeah. bad for all of us. Yep, it is a shame. Um, do you have any parts in production right now that you that are just your baby and you feel like they should be the top seller but they just haven't made it to that point yet that you can tell us about? Like what should people try? What should people try that they're not trying? I think some of our new rear fenders that are all uh, rolled on the English wheel and uh, uh, those are nice, nice fenders and uh, – if you compare them with a lot of the other ones out there, there's a lot of similarities going on. And what I've always tried to do with my stuff is be different from everyone else. Sometimes that works, right. sometimes it doesn't. But 
when I look at the baggers now, you know, when when I was back on Daytona Beach Street in the early years, it was me and Jesse and Ron Sims, Arlen Ness. And when you saw a custom bike going down the road, you, you knew who built that bike. You knew the <laughs> yeah. Style. Now with these baggers, I see so many, you can't tell who did what because a lot of them look so similar in the parts and everything. Yeah. So some of the fender yeah, kits I make show a little more texture. Uh-huh. Um, instead of the fenders and the bags all flowing perfectly together, maybe the bags go down straight and the fender curves out more. It shows more texture to it, and it looks different because that's what the market's all about is looking different than the guy next to you. Right, right. I definitely agree. Now, you've I posted some pictures. You sent me some pictures of some of your builds, and there were a couple of bikes that weren't baggers, and I'm glad that you sent those to me. Um, I did make sure to post those on the event page. Um, can you tell us about those two bikes? Because we talk a lot about what's going to be the next thing and, and what style are people liking other than baggers, and I absolutely love those bikes. So can you tell us about those? I wish that style would come back. I love those. Those yeah. are the funnest <laughs> ones to do. One of them, uh, it's all metal with long fenders. That was a bike called Sangre Azul. Uh, that bike was built in 02, 03, something like that. And um, it just had a certain medieval look style to it. I put a 200 on the front, air front, air rear. It, I made it really dark, black, nickel, chrome. And uh, mm-hmm. I was very proud of that bike. It's still with a good customer now. That's beautiful. The other one I sent you, uh, I think, was the SNS drag bike. I built that for mm-hmm. an SNS shootout I did, a drag race with some other builders, Kendall, Wink Eller, and um, we all raced at the end, Kim Suter, too. Nice. Very nice. Tell us, um, one thing that I definitely like to ask is at what point, because you're mentioning a lot of names that get brought up a lot on the show, Um and if you if you were there with them in the past, then that tells a lot about why you're still here today. I think. Um, which at what point in your career did you say, "Wow, I think I I think I'm there. Like I think I made it." Like, is there one point where you were at an event or you were doing something or you signed a deal on something and you were like, "Wow, this is it." That would have to be Camel Roadhouse in the late '90s. 1990s. Yeah. That was that was the breaking point. That was uh, it was me and Jesse James, Kendall and Eddie Trotta, and uh, they R.J. Reynolds really pumped in a lot of dough for that, and uh, they made us superstars overnight. It was huge. Can you tell? I feel like some of the people listening, um, some of the crowd that's listening, they've just gotten into the whole V twin scene and. They may not know exactly what you're talking about. Can you kind of tell everybody what that was all about? R.J. Reynolds was trying to get sponsorship um, and get into the biker community. So they mm-hmm. developed the Camel Camel Roadhouse. And if you went to the big shows back then, they would have huge bars and the Camel Roadhouse is where everyone went to party. Like it would be a broken spoke kind of place. Right. So they had big stages and they... Uh, pick specific builders that were popular at the time to build a camel bike. And those bikes would travel all over the country 
on display, and then the builders would fly in and sign autographs with them. And then every year, if you got to stay on, you built another camel bike. And there would be lines lines of people, autographs, pictures, and it just gets your face all over the place. And there was a, really wasn't much Internet back then, so. Yeah. Do you think, because that was such a big craze, um, in the very late 90s and the early 2000s, and like you've mentioned with Biker Build-Off, Discovery Channel, and all that, I mean, it was just huge. It was almost surreal. It was like the builders of that era were like rock stars or something, you know? Do you think that that will ever happen again, or do you think that the Internet has killed that? Well, I, I'd have to agree with you. The Internet has done a lot of damage to that, but... I think there's a lot of guys out there that, that wish it was like that again, but that was just a different era. Um, yeah. That's when people were really getting into it, you know. Let's face it, that made yeah. Jesse a huge star. He just grew from there. Oh, yeah. It definitely did. And it it's funny because it made people who had never owned a bike, didn't care anything really about having their own bike, but they were so into those shows and so into all the publicity that surrounded it that they knew everything about all of you guys because of that. And it wasn't, like I said, because they wanted to be in that scene, but they wanted to enjoy it like they were there, you know? Yep. Yep, exactly. I always, I thought that was really cool and it really blew up overnight. Um, And it lasted a lot. I mean, it, it had a really long run, you know? Um, I just, it's it's different now. It's different. People can be... And then OCC um, came along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a little different there. Then <laughs> that ruined what happened there entered drama. And that's what the shows are nowadays. In the earlier yeah. shows, you're building the bikes, you're riding them far distance, and they're showing cool metal work, they're showing attitudes... These latest shows, you don't even see the bikes. It's about these guys fighting amongst each other. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't see them ride them either. That's one thing that we talk about all the time is with all these shows, and there are a couple of events where you actually have to ride the bike still, but that's one thing that I think is really missing, you know, is the element of actually getting together after you build the bike whenever you're ready to show a new bike and showing people that you can ride it a far distance. You know, you just don't see that That's anymore. what was so cool back then about the Camel Roadhouse was we would all challenge each other to try, to try to do something really different. So you wouldn't see, like, all the same bike. It was We were just challenging each other. And then when we got done with that, we would congratulate each other on the bike. And good job here, good job there. You know, it wasn't a drama fight thing. So. Yeah. Now... Tell us a little bit. I like to ask everybody to, um, what is your favorite event now, currently? What is your favorite event to go to every year? Aspie Sturgis. I've been there probably 17, 18 years, and and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the country. Maybe it's you can actually get out and ride a little bit in a beautiful country, enjoy it. Daytona is huge too, but I don't really like that place for riding, but. No. A lot of people come there from overseas. So for a selling standpoint, Daytona's cool, but Sturgis is the king, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, the riding's definitely not good in Florida, and it's 
probably some of the best riding I've ever experienced in Sturgis, and everybody else always agrees. Um, do you do you participate with Arizona Bike Week? Yes, right I set up at uh, Westworld. Okay. And, um, and it used to be all in one area. Now it's kind of split up now, um, and there's like three different yeah. areas. So, but I mean, there's good and bad to that. The, the bad being that. One area is kind of smaller now, but the good is people ride to each area, you know, so you can actually yeah. ride and enjoy the weather. Yeah, because there's beautiful riding out where you guys are, too. Yeah, a lot of people think it's just a desert here, but uh, you can go north of here and you climb 6,000 feet pretty quick. Yeah, and you can go from 110 degrees to... <laughs> Need a jacket real quick. I've been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sedona, and Sedona I love is that probably part. one of the most amazing places to ride here. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful there. So tell us a little bit about your your opinion or your predictions. Like, what do you think is just on the verge of being big in the custom motorcycle scene? Do you see any changes? Do you see us going away from the crazy big wheel baggers do you think they're here to stay for a while i don't know that's a tough question you know because i mean you see this parts of the fxr dyna craze that's getting bigger but you have mm-hmm. to look at the market for that i mean obviously yeah. the baggers is the older guys that have money and these younger guys that like the fxrs and the dynos yes they're cool would i like to build more of those absolutely but there's no clientele for them as for big money um, right. So sometimes, sometimes that can lead a custom market a certain way if you're doing it to support it. Yeah, that's for sure. And there, there is a lot of money in a custom bagger scene. That stuff costs a ton of money to put together, and and people just they'll put it together, they'll get their bike done, and then they see something else, and they'll want you to completely tear it down and redo it. So you got to have money to be able to do that. That's for sure. Do Absolutely. You, do you um do you see any particular part maybe that well you can't answer that because then you give your secrets away. Never mind. We'll go to something else. <laughs> I was gonna say, do well, you, I'm do working you on parts, parts for different motorcycles. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of different accessories that you can get for that younger group I was just talking about. Like, say the New Indian Scout. That's a hot bike. It's a good price. Yeah, it looks it looks good. It runs good. It just needs a variety of different parts to make it different from the guy next to you. So, yeah, yeah. there's different markets. There's tons of markets for parts out there. How do you – are you a, a fan of the new Indians and Victories? How do you feel about this? Yeah, like I said, I like the Scout. Um, mm-hmm. The Indian – the Chiefs and – yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities with those in Harley. I mean, the fenders and the sheet metal work are a little different. Um I've been kicking around some ideas to make some new fender kits for those and front fenders, et cetera. That'd be cool. Yeah. Have you ridden the Octane? No, I haven't. I haven't either. And we've, we've talked about them very, very shortly on the show. And I wanted to, uh, whenever I was out in Texas a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to take a look at them a little closer and I didn't really have a chance, but 
um, I'm waiting for somebody to come on that can tell us more about those because I know they were uh, demoing them in Daytona, and that was like the talk of the town for some reason. So <laughs> i got to find out what those are all about. What I really noticed at Arizona Bike Week, it's a local event for me, so I can bring a lot of my other inventory out there. When I go to the main shows, I try to focus on the baggers because that's where the market is. And mm-hmm. what I've noticed recently is I brought some cool soft tails out there that I built a few years back. And it's almost like that's just part of the industry where there's so many baggers. When they walk by one of these other bikes, people are going, oh, what is that, you know? Because yeah. there's so many baggers to look at, and they're like, this is different. That's the beauty of this yeah. industry. So if, if it goes in another direction, I'm all for it. Good, good. Um, can you give anybody out there who's just starting out in the business, what what piece of advice can you hand over? What do you think is the most important thing you can tell somebody that will help them have a, a long, successful career? Well, I mentioned that earlier. Um, as I was going up, it's just respect for people that have been in the industry and are doing it and they can help you. And that goes a long way. I mean, yeah. and that's from any that goes from anyone from a manufacturing guy to a magazine guy to a fellow builder or whatever. I mean, that takes you a long way. If you come out there like you're the best in the world and no one can touch you, it won't last long. And then mm-hmm. hard work. Hard work's a big part of it. I mean, you can't just come into this kind of halfway. You gotta you gotta go all the way at it. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that part of it. Oh, I see a lot of shops sprout up and go. You know, it's and most importantly, like I said before, you have to have a certain style. You have to have a certain unique style, something people like. How how would you describe your style? I know we've talked about it being just clean and simple. Do you think that's the best way to describe your style? I think so. I mean, just, I kind of look at the overall of a bike. I can picture it in my head. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I haven't gone with the really, really big wheels on baggers. Because, right. to me, they're just getting way out of proportion. I I look at the whole bike overall, not just the front wheel. And right. It's just like when the, the the rear wheels were the big craze, the wide ones. And mm-hmm. we got, I think we got up to a 360. And then everybody goes, yeah. okay, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's kind of what it's like with the front wheel. You hit the 32, it's like, all right, guys, come on, let's stop, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Who is somebody in the industry that you, that who inspires you or who you really admire their work? Matt Hawks. Everybody says Matt. <laughs> Everybody well, I mean, says his stuff's clean and simple why. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And who do you think coming Matt up has in the great industry right now? Too. He's he's very respectful. Oh. He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I definitely see why you say that. Um, who in the industry coming up right now? Who do you think is somebody to watch out for? Um. That's a good question. I mean, I like the stuff Misfit's doing. Um, mm-hmm. 
he's a good guy. Like how he's doing some metal bags, metal side covers. Um, I think he's got some good ideas behind him. As for the bagger market, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's for sure. I was impressed whenever I went out there a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of talent there, for sure. So they're doing really well. Um, is there anything that we need to know about, that everybody needs to know about, that we've not discussed at this point? Um, just that we're going to be coming out with some a big selection of parts with a certain manufacturer. That's about all I can say right now. But um, And there'll be a lot more show bikes to follow with that to display the parts. A lot of times we'll build a custom bike, and from those ideas and innovations, you know, obviously that's where the parts come from. Right. So. Okay, and will we'll people will people hear that announced um, on your website, on your social media? It'll be all over magazines, website. Yeah. Okay. How how far out do you think you are with that? I wish I could say sooner, but um, <laughs> it's taken a little while. I'm hoping, yeah. uh, you know, near the end of the year, maybe okay. before Sturgis. Okay. Well, that's not too far. Did you go out to the 75th? I did, yeah. It was a blast. I've, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy out there. I've been the past nine nine or ten years in a row, and last year was definitely the most fun and the most hectic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was in my booth Never. most of the time, but I, I saw the long lines. Where do you set up in Sturgis? I've set up at a number of different places, but lately... For quite a number of years, I've been at the Black Hills, Harley Davidson, and Rapid Cities. Um, okay. If if you go out there, that's the serious manufacturing group. Um, mm-hmm. Downtown Sturgis, I've done that. Um, yeah, you'll get a big crowd of people, but they're usually having a good time and just drinking, getting out of the bar. Uh, yeah. The people that go out to Black Hills are looking to get something installed. They're looking to purchase. They're looking to buy. So. And it closes at night, so we don't have to deal with all the trucks jumping on your bikes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a huge change. I mean, it's a big difference just between Main Street and Moselle. And then if you go all the way down to the Harley dealership, that's that's where the business happens. So you're in a good spot. (laughs) So will you have um, will you have a full your full line of current parts there this year for everybody to stop by and see and buy if they need. That's the plan, yep. We'll have them all ready to go. All right. All right. Is there anywhere between now and Sturgis that you'll be where people can see you guys? I'm going to Laughlin here in a week or so. Okay. All right. We're trying to get that uh, back up popular again. Yeah. I stopped going a couple years ago and I missed it. Yeah, it was. It was. So now uh, do I'm going to uh, something Matt Hotch is uh, trying to gather all the builders together to get it more popular out there. That'll be cool. Nice. I'll have to look for for you guys to post some updates or something so we can see what's going on out there this year. Yeah, next time you're in Phoenix, come by the shop as well. I will. You know, I was supposed to come out for, for AZ Bike Week 
it was the first year I've missed it since I started coming. I've been coming for a few years, um, and I was supposed to make my rounds and visit some shops, and it didn't happen because I had too much going on. So next year I'm going to have to do it, or between now and then. I may just make a trip out there just for that. So I'll be sure to stop by, and we can do some video and stuff there if you want. Don't come in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I I feel like I'm dying in April whenever I come, so I can't imagine what it's like in July. <laughs> Yep, definitely. <laughs> well, I'll have to plan around your weather then, but I'll definitely make sure I do that because I would enjoy to see what you enjoy seeing what you have going on, and maybe I can make it out after you release your new part so we can see all that too. Sounds great. All right, tell everybody your website. Where can they find your stuff? Gymnasticcustoms dot com. All right. Well, I will put that on our page, and every time we uh, post about it, we'll make sure to say something about that as well, and we'll put it in our blog post. And everybody, go check out their website and be on the lookout for these new parts that are coming out because I know they're going to be awesome. Jim, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad that you gave the listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it as well. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right, bye. All right, guys, so hopefully you were able to get to know Jim a little bit better. I feel like I got to know him a little better. I've always heard such great things about him and um, our conversation. See, all these new parts that he's coming out with, um, I'm a huge fan of his style. Uh, I love the simple and clean look, the attention to detail, and um, the fact that it's not really streamlined. His stuff doesn't look like everybody else's, so – um, I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for him. That should be a, a big step for his business as well. So uh, we always love to see good people doing good things. So we will uh, get back with you guys soon. Like I said, we're going to have some people come on to tell us a lot more about Arizona Bike Week. So many people are out there, and uh, I cannot wait to fill you guys all in. So we'll post an update about that. In the meantime, guys, make sure you check out WideOpenRadioShow.com. Um, another thing I want to mention, guys, the show now, we've talked about our partnership with Raw Edge. Um, they have been a huge part of sponsoring the show. And John Connor posted something the other day, I think it was yesterday, a paint job that they're doing right now. If you guys have not seen it, you have to check it out. It is killer. So I posted it on our Wide Open Radio Show page on Facebook. Um, you've got to take a look at it. Or go to Raw Edge's Facebook page. It's amazing. Um, and I'll, I'll keep posting more about what they have going on out there as well because they have some very talented painters out there, and I'm super excited that they're on board with us here at Wide Open Radio. So um, good things to come from them. And like I said, we'll catch you guys up on Arizona Bike Week in just a few days. Uh, just look for the updates, and uh, be sure to stay tuned to our Facebook page and WideOpenRadioShow.com. We will talk to you guys very soon. Thanks for listening tonight. Have a good week.